Welcome to TSX Quarterly, the podcast that brings you publicly available earnings calls from companies listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange in one convenient location. Gone are the days of looking through confusing websites. You'll find the important information right here. Enjoy the call. Thank you for standing by. This is the conference operator. Welcome to the Open Text Corporation second quarter fiscal 2021 earnings conference call. As a reminder, all participants are in listen-only mode and the conference is being recorded. After the presentation, there'll be an opportunity to ask questions. To join the question queue, simply press star then one on your touchtone phone. Should anyone need assistance during the conference call, they may signal an operator by pressing star and zero on their telephone. I would like to turn the conference over to Harry Blount, Senior Vice President, Investor Relations. Please go ahead. Thank you, operator, and good afternoon, everyone. On the call today is OpenTech's Chief Executive Officer and Chief Technology Officer, Mark J. Berenshay, and our Executive Vice President and Chief Financial Officer, Madhu Raganathan. We have some prepared remarks, which will be followed by a question and answer session. This call will last approximately 60 minutes, with a replay available shortly thereafter. I would like to take a moment and direct investors to the Investor Relations section of our website, investors.opentext.com, where we have posted our consolidated investor presentation that will supplement our prepared remarks today. The presentation includes information and financials specific to our quarterly results, notably our updated quarterly factors on page 7, as well as a strategic overview. And now an update on Investor Day. I am pleased to announce that OpenTech's executive team will be hosting a virtual Investor Day on Thursday, March 11th. To register, please visit our Investor Relations website or contact our IR team directly. I would also like to announce that OpenTech's management will be participating at the Morgan Stanley Conference on March 1st and 4th. We look forward to engaging with you in the coming weeks. I will now proceed with a reading of our safe harbor statement. Please note that during the course of this conference call, we may make statements relating to the future performance of OpenText that contain forward-looking information. While these forward-looking statements represent our current judgment, actual results could differ materially from a conclusion, forecast, or projection in the forward-looking statements made today. Certain materials certain material factors and assumptions were applied in drawing any such statement. Additional information about the material factors that could cause actual results to differ materially from a conclusion, forecast, or projection in the forward-looking information, as well as risk factors, including in relation to the current global pandemic that may project future performance results of OpenText, are contained in OpenText's recent forms 10K and 10Q as well as in our press release that was distributed earlier this afternoon, which may be found on our website. We undertake no obligations to update these forward-looking statements unless required to do so by law. In addition, our conference call may include discussions of certain non-GAAP financial measures, 
reconciliations of any non-GAAP financial measures to their most directly comparable GAAP measures may be found within our public filings and other materials which are available on our website. And with that, I am pleased to hand the call over to Mark. Thank you, Harry, and a good afternoon to everyone, and thank you for joining today's call. I want to open the call with a note of optimism. Over the last year, the world has experienced health, financial, social, political, and environmental crises. While many of these crises continue, and the effects are long-lasting and have forever changed the way we work, live, and love, green shoots are emerging all around us. With an accelerating vaccine rollout, the prospects of a global economic recovery appear to be brightening. Today in the U.S., more people have received their first dose of a COVID-19 vaccine than cases reported. Economists are increasingly predicting a strong economic recovery in calendar 2021 due to a combination of rebounding demands, rising prices, and low inventory levels. We're also so much better informed today than we were a year ago. The transformative nature of digital and extreme automation is clear. And we remain in the early stages of the fastest, deepest, and most consequential technology disruption in the history of the world. Businesses are accelerating their digital capabilities and are placing greater emphasis on trusted global partners, time to value, modern work, sustainable supply chains, stellar customer experiences, and cloud plus edge computing. What has become clear is that the cloud plus network plus edge are inextricably linked. Our new architecture and platform of cloud additions places open text information management demonstrably in the middle of important demand conversations for companies of all sizes, large, medium, and small. The previous four quarters at OpenText are reflective of the amazing strength and durability of our employees, our customers, our company, our business model, and the transformative aspects of our products. Over the last year, we have generated a record $3.3 billion in trailing 12-month revenues, a record $1.1 billion in trailing 12-month free cash flows, and invested $400 million trailing 12 months in our products each approximately. We settled with the IRS. We increased our dividend by 15%. We announced a share repurchase program. We donated 4 million meals to help with food insecurity at the end of last year. We've achieved our highest employee engagement scores. We were named a Forbes top 150 employer. We delivered record fiscal 21 Q2 revenues, which we'll get to in a moment. We introduced our new platform, Cloud Editions, and we're on target to deliver adjusted EBITDA of 37 to 38% this fiscal year. And we are on target to deliver annual recurring revenues, or ARR, of 81 to 83%, highlighting two key aspects of our business. First, the predictability of our business. And second, we are a cloud company. We made a statement, and it was not just words, that we would exit the pandemic stronger than we entered. The above results speak to our actions, our progress, amazing employees, and our culture. Humbly, these results provide open text with momentum and confidence as we enter calendar year 2021 
and we are excited about the significant opportunities we can pursue with our cloud additions. Let me transition to our exceptional Q2. This quarter is highlighted by revenue growth, renewal rates, margin, cash flow, and positive organic ARR growth in reported currency. The team delivered an exceptional quarter. Many of our quarterly metrics are at historic highs. Let me walk through the results on a year-over-year basis. Total revenue of $856 million, up 11%, the highest total revenue in our history. Cloud revenue of $350 million, up 41%, the highest cloud revenue in our history and the largest revenue contributor. Customer support revenue of $334 million, up 6%, the highest CS revenue in our history. ARR of $685 million, up 21%, the, uh, the highest ARR in our history and at 80% of total revenue. Adjusted EBITDA of $361 million, or 42% adjusted EBITDA margin, and the highest adjusted EBITDA dollars in our history. And free cash flows of $275 million, up 46%, best Q2, best CS in our history. Let me provide a few additional comments. The 41% growth in our cloud business was driven by our Carbonite acquisition, cloud additions, a rebound in our business network volumes, and continued momentum in SMBC and enterprise content services. The 6% growth in our support and update business was driven by our customer-centric 90-day release cycles and AI-informed engagement. We have over $2 billion in cash and committed liquidity at our disposal, and our consolidated net leverage ratio has declined to 1.6 times this quarter, uh, reflective of the disciplined operations post-acquisition of Carbonite. We continue to generate growth, cash, and returns in the right places. We had many notable customer expansions and wins in Q2. We have a full list in our investor deck. Uh, please give the presentation a read, but let me highlight a few. MedPro Group, a Berkshire Hathaway company, is the national leader in customized insurance, claims, and patient safety and risk solutions. MedPro Group is expanding its open text extreme use as it continues to modernize enterprise-wide digital delivery processes. The Department of Work and Pensions in the UK, a governmental body responsible for welfare, pension, and child maintenance, chose open text enterprise content solutions as an integral part of their end-to-end -end processing for shared uh, uh, critical and sensitive content. Fernori, one of the world's largest global ice cream companies headquartered in the UK, headquartered in the UK expanded their commitment to OpenText B2B managed services and engaged with OpenText to build a service offering that allows them to dynamically flex their supply chain. Revo Health, Minneapolis-based provider healthcare solutions for physician practices and ambulatory surgery centers expanded its investment in OpenText Cloud using OT2 services to securely handle confidential communication. Before I turn to our approach of total growth in December, um, uh, we announced that we closed all past, present, and future items related to the dispute with the IRS. As part of the resolution, OpenTax will pay $299 million versus the disputed amount of approximately $830 million. While we maintain that our longstanding position in this matter was in the right, we believe the settlement to be in the best interest of all stakeholders. Let me turn to growth. 
and walk through our total growth strategy, which has three fundamental elements, retain, grow, and acquire. On retain, we delivered another exceptional quarter with customer support renewal rates at 94% and non-GAAP gross margins of 91.3%. Our cloud renewal rate, excluding Carbonite, was 96%, and our non-GAAP gross margins for total cloud of 66.7%, and its margin was up 830 basis points year over year. We are seeing the direct benefits of leveraging more automation, an automation based on Open Text Magellan, and the direct benefits of scaled operations. On grow, we continue to ramp up our investments in products and sales. We continue to grow our sales coverage of the global 10,000 customers, and we are expanding our relationships with global partners, RMMs, and MSPs. We are on track on increasing our R&D investment in fiscal 21 to support advancing the most exciting product roadmap in our history with cloud additions. So to balance of fiscal 21, our adjusted EBITDA margin will begin to reflect those increased investments. The principles behind our cloud additions include customer choice, run anywhere, number one. Two, cloud first. Three, simplification. Five clouds makes it easier to go to market and easier to sell. The fourth principle is consumption. Deeper integration of capabilities enables ease of consumption. Our fifth principle is innovation. Rapid and continuous innovation every 90 days to provide accelerated time to value and increased value for subscription, maintenance, and our update services. And the sixth principle is to create new channels, such as our new API services to embed open text in the next generation of cloud businesses. Delivering our capabilities at APIs will enable developers to include open text and speed their time to market. In October at Open Text World, we announced Cloud Editions 20.4, which featured our five clouds, Content Cloud, Business Network Cloud, Experience Cloud, Security and Protection Cloud, and our Developer Cloud, based on our OT2 platform. And the weeks ahead, we'll be turning on Cloud Editions 21.1, which will provide thousands of new facets, features, and enhancements. Our software development has always been deeply informed by customer feedback. And here are some highlights of upcoming Cloud Editions. In the Content Cloud, we now fully support all major hyperscalers, GCP, Azure, AWS, integration to SAP and Salesforce, embedded analytics, and by 21.4, the Content Cloud will be 100% recreated as a multi-tenant, SaaS, public, shared environment running on OT2. With Cloud Editions 21.4, uh, customers will never have to upgrade again. In the Business Network Cloud, we have added support for ethical supply chains, sustainability, and support for the circular economy as well as country-specific support for invoicing, tax, and receiving. We now support invoicing, tax, and receiving in over 60 countries, enabling global supply chains that are sustainable and support the circular economy. In the Experience Cloud, we are providing superior omni-channel experiences through seamless integration, the result in enabling full social commerce and personalization enabled by technology features and a long list of those features from notifications, messaging, 
a document presentment, and um, CPAS. OpenText Magellan is now integrated for machine learning into the Experience Cloud. And security, and our security and protection cloud. Within Bright Cloud Service Intelligence, we have now added Cloud Access Security Broker functionality. It's also known as CASB, to help enforce data-centric security policies and to prevent unwanted interactions. Our threat intelligence products are centered on behavioral analysis, not signatures. And 21.2, we are excited about our unified management console for RMMs and MSPs to enable complete integration of WebRoot and Carbonite. And the developer cloud, we now have over 25 live services, content service capture, signature, document presentment, intelligent viewer, uh, workflow messaging, the list goes on, identity and threat intelligence. Our developer cloud, go check it out, developer.opentext.com, is expected to continue to organic growth in fiscal 22. This new strategic long-term initiative for us is to embed our services in the next generation of cloud companies, and it will add a new channel to go to market. Delivering our capabilities of, as APIs will enable developers to include OpenText and speed their time to market. Our third total growth strategy on Acquire. We remain patient, disciplined, value-based buyers with returns-based metrics and cash flow as key criteria. Carbonite is a great example of a growth asset that met our disciplined, value-based criteria while offering significant opportunities to create revenue growth and synergies through our cloud-based uh, multi-channel uh, global platform. Our liquidity, cash flow, and balance sheet remain strong. The pipeline is also strong, and we will deploy capital when the right opportunity arises. Our total growth strategy of retain, grow, and acquire is unique, massively scalable, and delivering returns. Overall, we are a company that remains on offense with the intent of taking share regardless of the economic environment. Let me move on to financial outlook. We enter calendar 2021 with earned confidence. An improving economy coupled with the best product portfolio in our history position us to gain share by capitalizing on the present trends of digitalization, modern work, sustainable supply chains, security, and cloud. And we do will cover the details of our financial outlook for Q3 in fiscal 2021, but let me highlight the core aspects. We are increasing the investment in our product sales and our people. We have an improved demand outlook, and we are raising our revenue growth outlook today for the remainder of the fiscal year. Cloud revenue growth now to be in the high teens, ARR growth now to be in the high single to low double digit, and total revenue growth now to be in the mid-single digit, up from constant. Overtext believes strongly in returning value to shareholders. Today, I'm pleased to announce that the Board of Directors has approved our quarterly dividend of 20.08 cents per share for holders of record of March 5th, 2021, and a payment date of March 26, 2021. Let me conclude my remarks where I began, on a note of optimism. Today we are playing offense with an improved outlook for fiscal 2021. We had an exceptional quarter with record revenue and adjusted EBITDA dollars with ARR growth of 21%, cloud growth of 41%, and support growth of 6%. 
We have a strong balance sheet with a net leverage ratio of 1.6 times, and we generated approximately $1.1 billion in trailing 12 months free cash flows. We settled with the IRS and put the matter behind us. Last year's preemptive actions are replaced with energy and growth actions. Secular trends are strong, long-lasting, and open text is at the center of transformative discussions. We are in the early innings of an important product cycle with cloud additions, and our pace of innovation has never been faster with 90-day release cycles and an aggressive product roadmap. On behalf of OpenText, I would like to thank our shareholders, our loyal customers, our partners, and our 14,000 dedicated employees for all contributing to this success. And I am so proud of the resilience and durability that continues to be demonstrated. We're looking forward to seeing you at our virtual investor day on March 11th. You can register on OpenText Investor Relations website or contact our investor relations team directly. Investor Day is a special opportunity for investors and analysts to gain a direct update from OpenText leadership team on our strategic progress and future direction. The team is very excited to be with you. It's my pleasure now to turn the call over to Madhu Raghunathan, OpenText Chief Financial Officer. Madhu, over to you. Thank you, Mark, and thank you all for joining us today. We had a strong second quarter and a solid first half of the fiscal year 2021. Our preemptive responses at the onset of the global pandemic strengthened us as we continue to lead the way in modern work. Our disciplined financial management has allowed us to support key growth initiatives, maintain the resilience of our business model, and this is reflected in our expanded margins and solid cash generation. I will speak to Q2, Q3, and our quarterly factors our fiscal 21 total growth strategy, our fiscal 21 annual target model ranges, and our long-term aspirations, all outlined in our Q2 investor presentation that is posted on our IR website today. All references will be in the billions of USD unless noted otherwise and compared the same period in the prior fiscal year. So let me start with revenues. Q2 total revenues for the quarter were 855.6, up 10.9% or up 8.8% on a constant currency basis, including a strong contribution from Carbonite as we completed the one-year mark in December 2020. There was a favorable effects impact to revenue of 16.2. The geographical split of total revenues in the quarter was America 60%, EMEA 32%, and Asia-Pacific 8%. Year-to-date, total revenues were 1.659 billion, up 13%, or up 11.5% on a constant currency basis. Q2 annual recurring revenues were 684.9, up 21.5%, or up 19.5% on a constant currency basis. As a percent of total revenues, ARR annual recurring revenue was 80% for the quarter, up from 73% in the second quarter fiscal 20. Here, I would like to highlight that we achieved positive organic ARR growth during the quarter on a reported basis. Yet to date, annual recurring revenues were 1.355 billion, up 21.7%, or up 20.4% on a constant currency basis. As a percent of total revenues, year to date ARR was 82%, up from 76% in the first six months of fiscal 20. Q2 cloud revenues are particularly strong at 350.5, 
up 41.1% or up 39.6% on a constant currency basis. Our cloud renewal rate, excluding carbonite, was approximately 96%. Year to date, cloud revenues were 691.4, up 42.4%, or up 41.5% on a constant currency basis. Q2 customer support revenues were 334.5, up 6%, or up 3.6% on a constant currency basis. Our customer support renewal rate for Q2 was 94%. Across the business, our renewals performance remained strong. Yet to date, customer support revenues were 663.9, up 5.7%, or up 4.2% on a constant currency basis. Q2 license revenues were 107.3, down 22.3%, or down 24.6% on a constant currency basis. Year to date, license revenues were 175.9, down 18.6%, or down 20.7% on a constant currency basis. Q2 professional services revenues were 63.4, down 9%, or down 11.4% on a constant currency basis. Year-to-date, professional services revenues are 128.5, down 7.6%, or down 10% on a constant currency basis. Tax update. Before we speak to net income and other related metrics, I want to again call out the IRS settlement we announced on December 22, 2020. The IRS settlement provides finality to this long-standing matter, putting it behind us as we move forward, and we believe it to be in the best interest of all stakeholders. The settlement resulted in a charge of approximately 299 to the provision for income taxes. We expect to make payments to the IRS of approximately 287 during the third quarter of fiscal 21 and certain associated state tax and interest payments of approximately 12 million throughout calendar year 2021. All details are included in our Form 10-Q filed today. Q2 gap net loss was 65.5 compared to net income of 107.5 in the prior year, primarily driven by the tax provision relating to the IRS settlement. Year to date, gap net income was 37.9, compared to net income of 181.9 in the prior year. Q2 adjusted net income was 260.5, up 14.8%, or up 11.1% on a constant currency basis. Year to date, adjusted net income was 502.3, up 25.4% or up 22% on a constant currency basis. Q2 gap loss per share diluted was 24 cents, down from earnings per share diluted of 40 cents. Yet today, gap earnings per share diluted was 14 cents, down from 67 cents. Q2 non-gap earnings per share diluted was 95 cents, up 11 cents from 84 cents and up 8 cents on a constant currency basis. Yet to date, non-GAAP earnings per share diluted was $1.84, up 36 cents from $1.48 and up 31 cents on a constant currency basis. Turning to margins, GAAP gross margin for the quarter was 70.5%, up 60 basis points. Yet to date, GAAP gross margin was 69.8%, up 120 basis points. Non-GAAP gross margin for the quarter was 77.1%, up 160 basis points. Yet to date, non-GAAP gross margin was 76.8%, up 240 basis points. For GAAP gross margins by revenue type, please refer to our Q2 Fiscal 2110Q report, as I mentioned, filed today. 
Also on a non-GAAP basis for the quarter, cloud margin was 66.7%, up from 58.4%, driven by continued improvements in our cloud service delivery and a strong contribution from Carbonite. Year to date, cloud margin was 66.9%, up from 57.8%. For the quarter and year to date, customer support margin was 91.3%, up from 90.7%, and reflected continued strong renewal performance. For the quarter, license margin was 96%, down from 97.8%, primarily due to higher third-party technology costs. Similar trends on a year-to-date basis as well. For the quarter, professional services margin was 27.5%, up from 23.5%, reflecting benefits we see from lower travel while effectively delivering our solutions on a digital and remote basis. Year-to-date, professional services margin was 28.4%, up from 22.8%. Please note that our total operating expenses for Q2 include restoration of compensation and benefits effective December the 1st, 2020 for all employees. Adjusted EBITDA was 360.8 this quarter, up 13.8% or up 10.7% in a constant currency basis. This represents 42.2% margin, up from 41.1% in the same quarter last year. Yet to date, adjusted EBITDA was 703.1, up 23.1% or up 20.2% in a constant currency basis. This represents 42.4% margin, up from 38.9% during the first six months of fiscal 20. Turning to cash flows, it was consistent and solid performance, with operating cash flows at 282.5 for the quarter, up 36.3%, and free cash flows of 274.8, up 46.5%. On a year-to-date basis, operating cash flows were 516.4, up 49.8%, and free cash flows of 493.4, up 61%. DSO was 47 days compared to 57 days in Q2 fiscal 20. The year-over-year reduction of 10 days affects continued measures to drive operational efficiencies in our working capital framework, particularly the code-to-collect process, as well as positive contributions from the integration of Carbonite. From a balance sheet perspective, we ended the quarter with approximately $1.5 billion in cash, given our strong cash flow performance. With a $600 million revolver repayment in October 2020, we now have $750 million undrawn and fully available, bringing our total liquidity to $2.25 billion. Our consolidated net leverage ratio is 1.6 times, an improvement from 1.82 times last quarter. This is a strong place to be. Solid execution in the quarter and a balance sheet that positions us well to execute in our total growth strategy. Now, turning to quarterly factors, total growth strategy, and annual target model, all available on our investor website. So first and foremost, let me reiterate that we do view our business as annual and quarters will vary. Long-term value is created from sustained annual performance, and 90-day cycles are way too short to measure. On quarterly factors, for the third quarter of fiscal 21, and compared to the same period in the prior year, we expect the following, inclusive of FX. First of all, FX tailwind of revenues of 10 to 15 million. Total revenues, constant. Annual recurring revenue, ARR, constant to slightly up. Adjusted EBITDA margin percentage, up 100 to 200 basis points. For our full year fiscal 21 total growth strategy, 
Of course, half of the fiscal year performance has been strong, particularly in the context of the global pandemic, and we are very pleased to increase our outlook for the remainder of the fiscal year. We now expect the following for our full fiscal year 2021 compared to fiscal year 2020. High teens growth on cloud revenue compared to our previous target of mid-double digit. Low single-digit growth on customer support revenue is consistent with our prior target. High single to low double-digit growth in annual recurring revenue compared to our previous target of high single digits. No changes in license and PS revenue targets, which we see declining, and this is consistent with broader industry trends and as cloud adoption accelerates. Total revenue moves from constant to low single digits to mid-single-digit growth in fiscal 21. New M&A opportunities will remain additive to our model. Our fiscal 21 annual target model would include that operating ranges remains unchanged. However, I will highlight a few important points. Annual recurring revenue, ARR, range for fiscal 21 expected at 81 to 83% compared to 78.2% in fiscal 20. Non-gap gross margin range for fiscal 21 expected at 74 to 76% compared to 74.5% in fiscal 20. Adjusted EBITDA margin range for fiscal 21 expected at 37 to 38% compared to 36.9% in fiscal 20. On long-term aspirations, our long-term aspirations remain unchanged, targeting adjusted EBITDA margin of 38 to 40% and free cash flow of $900 million to $1 billion for fiscal 23 with a plan to reinvest any margin gains about 40% into additional growth initiatives. In summary, well done to the Open Tech team for delivering a solid Q2 and leading the way in digital working. As January 2021 rolled in, the Open Tech team brought forward tremendous learnings and resilience as we look ahead to the second half of our fiscal year. A very special thank you for your amazing efforts. A thank you to our shareholders whose trust and confidence we greatly value. We look forward to engaging with all of you as part of our investor outreach and conferences, and of course, at our March 11th Investor Day. I wish you all continued safety and wellness. I would now, I would now like to open the call for questions. Operator? Thank you. We will now begin the question and answer session. Anyone who wishes to ask a question may press star and one on their touchtone telephone to join the question queue. You will hear a tone acknowledging your request. If you are using a speakerphone, please ensure you lift the handset before pressing any keys. If you wish to remove yourself from the question queue, you may press star then two. Anyone who has a question may press star and one at this time. Our first question comes from Ramo Lenchow of Barclays. Please go ahead. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up zero to one grams of net carbs, five to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to hero.co to shop today. Hey, uh, congrats for me on a, a great quarter. Um, hey, Mark, uh, you, you, you talked a little bit about the um, and the recovery or the green shoots of recovery you see everywhere. Um, 
And uh, it's great to see the guidance because now it's, you know, it's fully organic what we see for next quarter. If you think about the, the next few quarters looking out and uh, the guidance you've given there, uh, is, there, an, uh, is, there an, is that kind of the new normal? Is there an element of recovery in there so that it's better than normal? Like, how do we have to think about it, what you're seeing there? And then I had one follow-up. Uh, yeah, thank you for um, the question. Look, the... Uh, you know, if I wind back to a year ago, um, you know, our energy was very much on our preemptive um, sort of decisions that um, uh, ultimately strengthened us through the year. But if I look at the year ahead, uh, and certainly for the remainder of the fiscal year, which is uh, through end of June, um, we see those green shoots. I mean, there, there are four things that come to mind. The first is uh, modern work is really accelerating. Um, content management, workflow, e-signature, um, projects and collaboration. Uh, second is we, we see this rebound of our business network volumes and um, industries that are um, seeing an increase. Um, uh, healthcare, automotive, um, retail, a lot of green shoots there for us on the business network. Uh, security has come front of mind uh, post uh, solar winds and our ability to really provide data protection and the next generation of threat intelligence based on behaviors or signatures. And then, Rainbow, you have all the, I think, the secular things around uh, movement to cloud uh, and, and the need to have that uh, trusted partner on, on a global basis. So these feel like very sustained trends coming into the calendar year. And, and we've had four quarters of experience uh, through um, through the pandemic, and you know each each quarter has been getting um, um, sequentially stronger. So so that's uh, uh, part of the reason for a bit more visibility into the fiscal year as we come into the second half. And and um, um, welcome your second question. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. And then. Um, on the cloud, so we now uh, we, we're talking 21.2 and 21.4. Sounds actually really exciting then when it comes out. What are you seeing in terms of customer interest in terms of how they are kind of migrating over to the cloud? Is that do you see like new workloads going into the into the cloud and the existing stuff is still kind of staying on premise? Do you see the migration starting? Uh, what's the momentum that you're seeing there? Thank you. Yeah, th th uh, thank you for that. Um, look, at Investor Day, I, I plan to go uh, much deeper uh, on the um, kind of the status of, of cloud additions. But let me just give you a few examples. Um, I, I look at our content cloud and, and support for, for modern work. Um, uh, we have um, uh, new workloads and, exp and expanded work going on at the NIH in the U.S. and, and um, European Central Bank. On the Experience Cloud, um, uh, we have a, a new customer like PG&E and expanded workloads for social commerce at L'Oreal. Uh, on the business network side, uh, we're very excited about, I know we're all very focused on the pandemic and rightfully so, uh, but uh, the greater challenge is really the environment and the circular economy. So, you know, our work uh, in supporting very demonstrable features to support that circular economy uh, with customers like uh, Nestle. Our protection cloud, um, uh, doing work with um, um, uh, Hyatt, Thomson Reuters on our security and protection cloud. 
And I'm really excited about how the developer cloud, uh, everything as a public API is going to contribute to organic growth in fiscal 22. So it's all about the cloud additions. I think it, it, it's a mixture of taking uh, off-cloud current workloads to a private managed service. It's about adding new workloads in our SaaS offerings. It's attracting new customers and also a new market of our, of our, of our API services. And I'm gonna, I plan to go in a lot more uh, detail at uh, Investor Day. Okay, I'm looking forward to that. Okay, thank you. Our next question comes from Stephanie Price of CIBC. Please go ahead. Good afternoon. Hi, Stephanie. Hi. Um, I was hoping to talk a little bit about which pieces of the cloud kind of drove that outperformance uh, versus versus prior expectations. You know, did you see kind of outside growth in Carbonite or CE or business networks or how to kind of think about that um, that outperformance in cloud this quarter? Yeah, I would um, I'd, I'd point to, to three pieces um, um, uh, on the content side in the in, in the content cloud. Um, again, for the for, for the uh, reasons I just uh, previously talked about, uh, support for modern work. Uh, second is uh, the business network uh, and the increase in volumes and and nice new green shoots in in a variety of industries. And um, Car uh, Carbonite overall just had a strong quarter um, from the data protection Carbonite side, uh, WebRoot and threat intelligence, um, as uh, well as uh, BrightCloud. So those are the three standouts, Stephanie. I'd point to uh, the Content Cloud, Business Network, and uh, Carbonite in general. Okay, that's helpful. Um, and within Carbonite, kind of thinking about the, the upside opportunities here and the cross-selling into the enterprise and the extension of the partner network, um, just curious, you know, where we are in those initiatives or, if, you know, the the you know, performance in, in Carbonite was really more a function of, of just the existing prosumer, uh, consumer market kind of driving that sale, those sales. Yeah, there are, there, there are three drivers. The first is um, uh, uh, just better running the existing business. And it is a unique go-to-market. And, um, um, uh, and, and this is where we, you know, we, uh, we sell to, we enable, we deploy to RMMs. And MSPs, we don't really we don't uh, we of course sell to some uh, SMBs directly, but the vast majority of our business is through RMMs and MSPs. It's a very unique channel. I know others are claiming they invented it; they didn't. <laughs> That's okay. Uh, but our business is through this very unique uh, channel. So one growth is just uh, better managing that. Two is um, uh, increased innovation. I'm very excited about. 21.2 in an integrated console um, that um, delivers on the promise of integrating Carbonite and WebRoot to move through that channel of RMM uh, and MSP. Uh, the third is uh, um, uplifting, um, uh, uh, you know, kind of um, upselling, upscaling the product uh, into uh, the enterprise. And we started to see some uh, green shoots there. I, I mentioned a uh, a, a few names, uh, TD Securities, uh, Hyatt, Thomson, uh, Reuters, Prudential, who are using um, um, a mixture of Carbonite data protection uh, or, or BrightCloud. 
So those are the three approaches, Stephanie, that we're looking to grow. It's, it's just better managing uh, the platform uh, to um, RMMs and MSPs. It's to accelerating innovation, things like CASB, things like an integrated consult, uh, next generation of threat intelligence, uh, uh, continuing to focus on behaviors for signatures, and then what I call is upscaling uh, the product into the enterprise, and we've begun to see some green shoots uh, on the enterprise customers I just mentioned. Great. Thank you very much. Our next question comes from Paul Steep of Scotia Capital. Please go ahead. Great. Thanks. Mark, maybe you could talk just following up on the content cloud driving growth. Can you give us a sense of what that multi-year migration cycle might look like? I know that might be taking some of the excitement from the March day, but just even in any context of where we are. And then I have one quick follow-up. Yeah. Um, my, my team strongly encouraged me <laughs> to save the gunpowder for investor day, if you will. Um, but let me let me say it this way, Paul. Uh, we we are in literally the earliest of innings. Truly are. Um, we're less than 10% migrated of our install base uh, into uh, uh, into our our five clouds. So it is still the earliest of innings to. Um, uh, have our install base um, fully on the cloud editions architecture and uh, and uh, and platform. Um, and it's not just a lift and shift of the platform. Uh, we can manage it better. We can manage it at a lower price. But we want to bring them to a modern environment. We want to manage the application stack. We want to be able to expand workloads. We want to be able to bring them to uh, all of information uh, management. So I, I, would, I would just summarize that we're in the literally earliest of innings. We're less than 10% migrated on cloud. Look, cloud edition has only been in the market just a little over a year. Uh, so it, it remains the largest, the single largest opportunity we have uh, to drive growth is to migrate our install base. Right. And then risk of wearing out my welcome here, how should we think about Never. longer term as we <laughs> – as we sort of move over from cloud, how should we think about that license line or maybe how are you managing that transition uh, to make customers more or less, you know, agnostic about uh, the purchase decision? Thanks, folks. Yeah, th uh, thank you, Paul. Um, I think you'll notice I didn't use the word license at all in my script. Um, and the emphasis is all on cloud. Let me point to a few things. Uh, the first is our annual recurring revenue, ARR, with 80%. Um, uh, it's all about our business, but when you benchmark us to Oracle, Microsoft, IBM, SAP, uh, we are ahead of every one of those in terms of our, tr our, our transition to ARR. We're at 80%. Uh, we have a... Um, um, uh, you know, we're, uh, our target model is 81 to 83% for the year. But you look at established companies like IBM, Microsoft, uh, Oracle, SAP, we're ahead of every single one of them and where we are as ARR as a percent of our business. Second, I'd point to our, our support business, which is a support and update business. 
the ability to get security updates, the, the ability to get rapid new features that are relevant and easy to consume. That business grew 6% um, as, as we noted. So our strategy is let customers decide. It's customer choice of how they want to consume. I said this many years ago. I am agnostic as to how they want to consume. Um, uh, we are opinionated on growing our margin, uh, as, as you can see through the years, that we're not agnostic there. And we've, um, we're just going to grow cloud faster than everything else, um, um, as, you're, as you're seeing. So customers still have the choice. It's clearly cloud first. Uh, ARR is, is leading and dominating. We're ahead of our peers, and we're simply going to grow faster um, uh, in cloud and in, in ARR. Uh, versus that transactional side of the business. Thank you. Dan, Paul, if I can, maybe before we get to the last question, um, I just, we don't philosophically believe that we should force it because it's still customer choice. And, and some co companies are forcing it, but they're also at a lot lower ARR than we are. <laughs> and so um, uh, it's really the ARR piece that um, is, is really a standout at 80%, not just at open text, but when measured to our peers. That helps. Thank you. Our next question comes from Thanos Mostopoulos of BMO Capital Markets. Please go ahead. Hi, good afternoon. Um, hey, Mark, how would you characterize um, uh, customer buying behavior um, in terms of uh, sales cycles, uh, decision processes, uh, deal sizes? Is it starting to look a lot more similar to pre-pandemic, or are we still in kind of a weird environment in that regard? Um, I would say it's returning. Uh, it's not fully back to pre-pandemic, um, but it's, it's a lot less uncertain in um, bureaucratic than it was maybe in the first half of last year. Uh, there is no doubt a greater emphasis, um, uh, and I think this is new, so it's not pre-pandemic or during pandemic. I just think this is new. It, it is an emphasis on time to value, um, that there's an immediacy, there's a time to value, and it's also a um, look to global trusted partners, versus, uh, so less risk adverse. So um, it's a good question. Uh, deal sizes, I think, are, are slightly up. I think decision cycles are slightly, down, uh, are slightly shrunk. Um, it's, I wouldn't say it's fully back to pre-pandemic, but it's more there than not. And time to value is certainly uh, emphasized in the majority of our transactions today. Great. And then a uh, question from Madhu. Um, as I look at um, your uh, guidance and your target model for the year, uh, that would seem to imply a fair bit of uh, gross margin compression in the second half in professional services and cloud. And, and so maybe just to clarify, might that be a function of comp being uh, restored at prior levels, an expectation of travel expenses going up, or maybe just conservatism on your part? Um, so, so, you know, thank you for that. So definitely, as Mark also alluded, uh, uh, we are investing in the second half, and we're investing not just putting merit and comp back, but also in terms of hires uh, and building up for, for, the, for, for the next year. And from a gross margin perspective, that also includes investment in cloud services and customer support as well. 
presumably maybe to, to improve bug capacity, right? Maybe if you're running at hot utilization and so you need to have more capacity, would that be fair? Yes, and that would be fair as well. Yeah. Okay. Thanks for that one. Yeah, thank you. Our next question comes from Richard C. of National Bank Financial. Please go ahead. Yes, uh, thank you. With respect to uh, the, the shift here to the cloud, uh, I'm just kind of curious, is there an opportunity to kind of create a, a bit of a step function up in terms of organic growth uh, with that transition here? Uh, Richard, thanks for the, thanks for the question. Um, you know, as we um, noted in our script, we had in the quarter uh, organic um, AR growth uh, and reported uh, currency. And um, uh, I expect to have organic growth in the cloud uh, in the uh, second half of the year. Um, you know, in terms of a step up, we'll uh, uh, maybe talk more about what, what, what that means, but I'm expecting cloud to grow organically, uh, just to say it uh, directly, uh, based on the, the factors we, we, uh, we talked about. Okay. Yeah, I'm just asking because I was sort of looking at slide 21 and 24 where you highlight your customers and the number of yep. uh, products that they're signed up for. And it seems like, you know, they're signing up for more. And uh, I guess the line of questioning was around, you know, as, as these uh, platforms become more uniform, the ability to sell into that base, I would think, should be easier, no? Uh, which is why I'm asking a question, but um, any of that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and, and look, uh, and, and if I can, I'll point to the principles I talked a little bit about. And um, there, there are important principles behind cloud additions. I think that's partly of what you're noting, that once migrated into the open text uh, cloud, um, uh, we have the ability to deploy the features for customers, and um, they don't have that um, friction in the system, right? The more integrated we get, um, uh, again, the less friction uh, to more mo uh, modules. And as we get to more standardized product, uh, the ease of, of, of both consumption and new modules. So it's no doubt that uh, uh, cloud additions and running the cloud is going to give us the opportunity because of the integration um, uh, to uh, deploy more capabilities and to, and to have customers be able to uh, uh, consume more. Okay, that makes sense. Um, yeah. With respect to the acquisitions, uh, I know you talked about a sort of one, one part of uh, your growth strategy. What does that environment look like today? And I guess related to that, are you looking to sort of fortify the markets that you're currently in, or would you kind of look at it expanding in new marks, sort of sort of like what you did with Carbonite uh, and security? Yeah. Well, let me um, let me take it as an opportunity. I'll answer the question directly, but I'm going to take it as an opportunity to highlight. Um, how we believe we create value. Um, uh, number one, uh, number one uh, these are co these are co number one number uh, number uh, one number one number one uh, organic growth, and that's top of the list. And you know as we look into the uh, remainder of the the second the second half of the fiscal year and the calendar year, uh, we're clearly emphasizing organic growth today, and also the step up in our in our outlook. Second way, uh, second, uh, number two of number one <laughs> um, is um, margin. 
And we've uh, just been on a, a stellar track um, to uh, continue to become more efficient, more productive as a company. And the third way, uh, the, the third number one is um, capital, capital deployment and capital efficiency. We're very focused on the capital we've deployed. Um, getting full value for carbonite, getting full value for li liaison. Documentum wasn't that long ago. And uh, Documentum puts us right in the middle of um, modern work for a lot of companies. And then there's new capital deployment. And on the new capital deployment, which was, I think, part of the basis of your question, is we're going to remain a value buyer. We have the management and leadership bandwidth. Uh, we have um, um, a net debt ratio of 1.6, um, approaching um, sort of um, recent lows, if you will. And I'm very happy with the markets we're in today. So I'm not looking to create a new market, uh, Richard, but rather uh, uh, kind of gaining share uh, in, in what we have. Okay. And just one last one related acquisitions. Um, sure. is, is your comfort level on leverage ratio, I think it was in the mid-threes, if I don't like, uh, as I recall, but I'm not sure what it is today. Is it still around there? Our uh, net leverage ratio is 1.6 today. Mm -hmm. And um, as we, uh, you know, we've noted, we've chronicled historically that um, uh, we'd, uh, we'd, we'd, you know, would be comfortable. Um, um, ideally, we're at three. But we'll go above three if we need to, uh, and then rapidly uh, uh, decrease that. And um, uh, I I'll point again to Carbonite um, as well as Documentum, where we rapidly delevered. Um, uh, you know, look, we uh, three is where just uh, I, I think of it simply that um, if the world goes really bad, like they pay off my debt in three years. <laughs> that's why that that's why it's sort of a three X ratio. It's a relatively conservative ratio. Our covenants allow us to go higher than that, but we like operating around three. We're well below it. And if we need to go above three, we won't be bashful for the right asset. Um, but it will come with a rapid deleverage plan. Um, and as we've demonstrated, we can do it and have done it uh, with uh, Carbonite and uh, Document. Okay, that's great. Thanks, Mark. Our next question comes from Paul Treber of RBC Capital Markets. Please go ahead. Uh, thanks very much and good afternoon. Just wanted to hone into one um, product area in particular, which is e-signature. It seems like that is, you know, probably one of the, the products that we think strong adoption in this environment. Now, how do you see it within the large enterprise deals? Like, is it is it bundled in there, or can you sell it as an incremental? product offering and, and you know the reason I bring it up is some of your competitors are doing quite well selling uh, signatures or digital signatures um, so w w should we expect similar growth or are you seeing similar growth uh, with your own product there yeah Paul thank you for the question we're excited about it and we sell it uh, independently you know we um, uh, we bought the source code to a company uh, about a year ago and we created a product about a year and a half ago. We created a product and a service, and um, it's now um, um, uh, fully integrated to content services, and it's now a standalone product. Um, um, so, 
were um, uh, we expected. It, it is contributing, um, uh, and we're fully able to sell it uh, uh, as, a, as an independent uh, module. And it is an important part of modern work, um, part of workflow, uh, part of collaboration, project management, and um, ultimately signatures. I'll highlight one customer, uh, fully live. Um, we're doing um, uh, tens of thousands of signatures a month, the government of Ontario, and uh, who are fully live on our e-signature product. And this relates to the, the e-signatures, but with the market, um, you know, e-signature, it seems like a lot of the growth is coming from SMB. Um, and it seems like there's other product categories. Uh, you look at like you know file sharing or whatnot, where the growth is being driven by SMBs. With the, the launch of your um, you know 21.4 product, you know multi-tenant SaaS on public cloud, does that potentially open you up, open OpenText up to going direct in terms of addressing the SMB market? Um. We still have, you know, in all our, our progress, we still have um, much to learn. Um, you know, we bring e-signature to the enterprise. You know, we're, we haven't brought uh, e-signature to SMB. So our e-signature success is through our enterprise sales force. And this is one of the reasons we really love Carbonite, because, you know, we see a lot of these solutions um, that are, are built both to scale up into the enterprise and scale laterally into SMB. And um, this part of our great long-term growth prospect is to be able to get that multi-channel way to market really humming. So, um, uh, you know, we now have our product like e-signature for the enterprise, um, but we haven't brought it into the, uh, into the SMB world yet. So, um, I mean, I appreciate your, co your comment, but it just highlights you know, why we brought on Carbonite and the opportunity for many of our, our key solutions. And it's, it's one of the things that uh, is part of our strategic uh, direction is we're able to bring product simultaneously to the enterprise and uh, SMB. And we have a lot of learning to do there and lots of opportunity. Okay, thanks for taking my question. This concludes the question and answer session. I will now hand the call back over to Mr. Berenche for closing remarks. All right. Well, thank you very much. We're, we're obviously uh, very excited about Q2 and playing offense in our improved outlook for fiscal 21. Um, I hope you'll, uh, well, uh, we hope to see everyone at our virtual investor day on March 11th. Uh, please register on our website or contact investor relations. And the team is very excited to spend time with you uh, to talk, uh, to provide updates on our strategic progress and our future direction. Thank you for joining us today. This concludes today's conference call. You may disconnect your lines. Thank you for participating and have a pleasant day. BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then... 
place a $5 wager on any sport, you'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's investor relations section on their website. See you next time.